Yo, everybody, welcome to Illinois with Burden Cam, the podcast for the true crime sycophants by the true crime sycophants. This is your boy, Birdman, and with us always, the hostess, Cammy B. Cammy, how you doing? Good, how are you guys? I'm ready to fucking do the damn thing. Indeed. So, um, again, um, you know, this is the first time we've seen each other in two weeks. After that, before that, it was two years, so, I mean, click like as if nothing ever happened. So, um, again, can we just talk about those, how that recording, that first episode was for you? So, I heard a lot of good things, which was awesome, because I've been stoked to do this podcast, and I know you've just been as stoked. Heard a lot of good feedback, a lot of people liked it, which is awesome, so if you liked it, thank you. If you could share us, that'd be even cooler. Um... But also, I did get some feedback that I could improve on, which is awesome, thanks to my girl. Um, anyway, she said we did bounce around a little bit, which is understandable because we kind of do that in our life. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, you guys can follow us. We'll try and get more structure, if that helps. Another thing I notice is I say, um, a lot, like a lot, and... I say something like, the crazy thing was, I don't know why I fucking said that, and we make a lot of reference towards our college, like, oh. <laughs> we represented UIS quite a lot, so. Oh boy, like, like they should be, like, we should be, they should be endorsing us or something, I mean, just saying, all that I'm money. I'm not saying we graduated from there, or that we talked about you guys a lot, but if the shoe fits. Hey, <laughs> and that shoe's gonna be fitting tonight, that's for damn sure, because we are gonna be talking about... A case that happened on actually the UIS campus, and this is way before our time. So we're going, we're taking the DeLorean to the time machine back to 1985, and that's where MTV, Ronald Reagan, and Jerry Curls ruled the world. And uh, unfortunately, that was where a 10-year saga of stalking and assault escalated to murder. So um, before we get into that, Cam, will you want to hit the good people with a disclaimer? Absolutely. Again, we just want to remind everyone we're here to report. If there's any inaccurate facts or anything that anyone feels insulted by or that is deceased or prosecuted, we do not mean or intend to insult you guys. Um, These are just the facts we have found. If you guys have any issues, correct us. Email us at killinoispodcast at gmail.com. Again, killinoispodcast at gmail.com can't spell it it's illinois with a k in front of it so it's pretty easy um again if we if you guys have any extra facts let us know email us again killinoispodcast at gmail.com because we got some awesome info from the last podcast we did Uh oh and we're going Uh to get in that very shortly do you want to you want to lead it right now i'm going to lead i'm just going to do the damn thing just do the damn thing people that have some Insight info. Unfortunately, they haven't reached me back yet, so you better reach me back. You know who you are, so I can find out the extra goods. But I do have a one friend that I actually took a couple classes with. She's cool as hell. I'm not going to say her name. I don't know if she wants it to be said or not. I'll have to ask her. If she... If you're listening to the girl, let me know. Could be. Anyway, so what she does, she actually used to write to Jatasha in jail mm-hmm. and she actually found the, uh, the letters and she had some interesting her opinions on how she felt Jatasha was um, she thought she was you know more spoiled by her parents by her husband she pretty much got what she wanted um, the answer no was never an answer for her wow uh, I actually 
actually was asked her the question is I was asked her if she thought Natasha snapped or was always kind of crazy. Her response she thought was probably a little bit of both. Uh, she kind of thinks that maybe her husband pushed her mentally and financially where that was her only option was to decapitate him and dismember him. Um, but then again, she's also not to be trusted outside of an institution. So it's really hard to tell. Um, from what we've gathered is she's intelligent, but almost childlike at the same time. Um, it could be an act, maybe, but these tendencies also kind of happened in school. And my good friend, the one who would write to Jatasha, also went to the school. So if I'm not supposed to say that. Sorry, we'll do something about it. But I didn't say your name, so it's cool. Um, but anyways, uh, she's, we kind of compared her to a quiet crazy. Um, she could go her whole life without troubles and she still ends up in jail. Um, she's one of the people that kind of answered a question, but didn't answer your direct question. Um, she always had a backup excuse. So, um, what she was saying is she's worked with a lot of criminals before. And she said that these type of criminals are the single handedly most disturbing criminals she's ever come encounter with. So that's a little creepy. Oh boy, you know, and that's what they always say about it's the quiet ones, right? What? Yeah, I'm glad I'm loud in the annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, you gotta be careful because I am a uh, what they call an introvert only when I'm sober. But <laughs> that said, um, we might as well just again we do the damn thing and from and we go to Tim Ferguson and Mark Vasken Kelly's. It's that's how you say it, I guess so. But um, we started. Tim Ferguson was born on July 1st, 1955 in New Berlin, and that's about a good 30-minute or so drive west of Springfield. And not much is known about Ferguson's early life, but what we do know is that he attends Pleasant Plains Middle and High School. And it's there that he becomes acquainted with Mark Vasconcellos and a third man, Gregory Tomlin. And according to witnesses who remember them, these three are described as good friends. And no, it's nothing that's really out of the ordinary. Now, after high school, Ferguson is shipped off overseas to fight in Vietnam. And since this is around about 1973, we're really looking at the tail end of the war as a tricky dick pretty much got American troops home that year. So we can assume that Ferguson wasn't deployed there for long. But the perils of war, no matter how long or short it is, especially uh, Vietnam, and this is a little segue. Uh, if you guys have not seen the Ken Burns documentary on Vietnam, I highly recommend you do so. Because I think is, that's what we're watching. Oh, it is a just is that, magnificent. Yeah, yeah, we're watching. It's crazy. Oh, oh, worth worth the, worth the eighteen hours. But um, yeah. Again, again. So it's Lord of the Rings. If you oh, want yeah. to. Oh yeah, and and the perils of war, no matter how long or short it is. It stays with you, you know, it fucks with your mind in ways that can be incomprehensible and you have mental issues, namely post-traumatic stress disorder, when you really come back from it. That being said, um, Alan Fox, who was the principal of Pleasant Plains at the time of the murder, really hit this on the nail. Um, Fox, who was a junior high school teacher when Ferguson and Vasconelles, I don't know how to say his name, so I'm not going to pretend I can say it. So <laughs> if I get it by the end. I get it. If not, I'm sorry, dude. You got a, you got a hard name, but so do I. Um, Ferguson and Mark, I'm just going to call him Mark. Um, they were in the 7th and 8th grade, and it was interviewed by the State Journal Register here in Springfield, Illinois. Um, after the, trans, uh, the tragedy transpired, it was pretty much a clear bird-eye view of these men growing up. There was no friction between them in high school, none at all. 
I would consider them good friends. Um, I really think uh, the problem is with Ferguson, the boy, it all stemmed from Vietnam. Like you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. it, no matter how long that war is, especially if you've watched uh, documentaries on it, it was a crazy war. Oh, it yeah. Was, it was a, I, had a, I had a teacher in high school, and he was in the Vietnam War, and he was shot like eight, eight times. Oh, my God. His chest. He looked like how he but he's this. Oof. It was crazy. This I don't know why I remember this. And it was gym class. He never let all the guys had to work out. And the girl was like, no, we don't want to. And he didn't let us. Or he didn't. He's like, oh, you guys don't have to run. Fuck yes. But anyways, um, he loved us. Uh, yeah, he said him and his friend, like, during the war got caught. You know, they were circled. And they just start singing, why, oh, why did I leave Ohio? Which I guess is an old school song. I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of cool. He lives, he survives, so it'll represent. And, and really good. Back to, back to our situation. Um, but anyways, what it seemed like to these individuals is they were good friends. Yeah. And they all seemed like they were good. Nothing was wrong. That is much. until Vietnam, where he got messed up somewhere. And somehow. And right. right. And somehow. And it's during that time when Ferguson comes back from Nam that he really turns on Vaskin, Kelly's, and Tomlin. And it's never really verified what was the particular reason? But the rumor in innuendo was that Ferguson came to believe that the other two had put a voodoo curse on them. So this begins a decade of an odyssey of this unrelenting obsession by Ferguson towards these two. And his card starts with tame taunting and escalates to serious threats. You know, I'm going to kill you. Or I'm going to get you. This, that, and the third. And we can only assume at the time it was probably taken as serious as any team in the Eastern Conference who goes against LeBron in the playoffs. But then a few years, <laughs> a few years Don't into that stalking. Get away with that. Oh, come on. <laughs> but then a few years into that stalking, like everything changes and we get into that shit get serious moment because in 1981, after a confrontation from Ferguson to Tomlin, again, blaming him for this voodoo curse, Tomlin tries to leave, but Ferguson is armed with a knife, and he starts stabbing Tomlin several times. And luckily, Tomlin survived, and Ferguson was arrested, and was subsequently given psychiatric tests. And it's there he's diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, and is found mentally unfit to stand trial. And several months later, he pleads guilty to aggravated battery, and was sentenced to get this count. 30 months probation in order to undergo treatment at the Veterans what? Hospital Danville. So he pretty much stabs him multiple times, what? attempted murder, and he gets theoretically a slap on the wrist. Now, I know there are ramifications with mental health and, you know, we can't uh, we can't oversee that. But again, I mean, this is just for for something a level of brutality that is you have it's it's fucking crazy, right? I mean- Coming from, I guess, the way they look at it, now mm-hmm. my fingers are doing the quotation bullshit, is he probably didn't have a record. Right. He's a Vietnam veteran, and they probably feel, at the time, I could be wrong, that this is due to his time in Vietnam. We have to give him, we, we got to give him what he deserves. Right. Not punishing him, not thinking it would lead to any more. Then again, back then, mental issues weren't really a thing. I don't know if anyone's seen American Horror Story. We all know what happens with people with mental issues. Uh, yeah, mental sure. issues, again, my quotation mark. Um, but let's let's focus a little bit on our victim, Mark Vasconelles. Yeah, um, I think that's here Vas- we go. 
I think so. I'm sorry. Following high school, he actually goes to college, graduates, and eventually lands a job at Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. He actually landed as a researcher, and that's where he meets Elizabeth. Is it Cohen? They Elizabeth say her Cohen. Name right? Elizabeth Cohen. Cool. Cohen, represent. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Elizabeth Cohen was, uh, who was an actor, and she pretended to be sick so those doctors, those student doctors, could practice, practice their diagnosis skills with her. Um, she was recently interviewed by the State Journal Register two months ago, which, everybody, I highly recommend you guys should check out. It's very detailed, thoughtful, and it's actually kind of a sad piece. I cry a lot, so I definitely cry during this one. Um, but how she did um, she did uh, describe their relationship, and it's pure love, saying he had this black hair, black beard, beautiful. Um, apparently she dreamed of him before she even met him. Uh, what she said is, I wish for someone just like him when I was 14. I even drew a picture of somebody who looked like him. When we met, it was instant. Then they didn't have Tinder, so she doesn't even know what instant means. And I mean, this is like in the 80s, so I mean... It's, it's, true love, true yeah, love, this is, sure. this is true love, described. And Vasquez Kelly eventually gets a job at the Sacramento State University, as we may now know it. It's UIS. What do you Represent. know the odds? <laughs> we how that happened. <laughs> and he get where he works as a public communications officer. Now, on top of that, his relationship with Cohen is progressing as they get engaged. And from one indicators, as we probably talked about, as we talked about, this is a perfect relationship. Well, except one tiny problem, and you may have guessed it, Tim Ferguson. Now he's in the, back. Yeah, he's back. Now, in the four years since the Tomlin stabbing. The rehab went as well as over as a mouse fart in church because the stalking of Vasquez Kelly's gets worse. And on top of the constant verbal abuses, Cohan alleges that at one point during that period, Ferguson had physically attacked Vasquez Kelly's. Now, Vasquez Kelly's, for his part, was very proactive in trying to let authorities know and, and let the media know on top of that, that, hey, this guy is stalking me and threatening me. And, um,. I was doing when I was doing the research for this story. Uh, I work for uh, Illinois Times, and my editor, and who's still editing at the uh, back of that time, he recalled that in the week leading to the uh, the crime, Baskin Kelly's had called uh, him to to pitch this story. It's like, hey, you know, this has been going on for ten years, and you know, uh, whatever reason, it, it never he never followed was never follow up on, and you know, he made a point to tell me, you know, he kind of wished that what if he's you know, what if he you know listened to Vasco Kelly's more promptly and say, hey, you know, let's do a story on this. So it's just one of those things that you know, what ifs really plays with your mind, and it all comes down as we just talked about to August twenty third, nineteen eighty five. Now in the SJR story. Cohan had described that on that very Friday, her and Vasco Kelly's had spoke to then Sagamon County State Attorney Bill Roberts about this whole ordeal, to which Roberts replies to Mark that they couldn't do anything until Ferguson did something. And she said that happened at 1 o'clock. At 5.16 p.m., Vasco Kelly's was walking out of the SSU campus from work. Now, in those days, the campus consisted of solely a couple of buildings in the same area where, if you guys from UIS will know SLB, Student Life Building, which is current current renovation. Um, now, as Baskin Kelly's is staring, going to his car, 
They're waiting in the parking lot in this 1978 Honda Accord. It's Tim Ferguson. He spots Vasquez Kelly's. Oh, yeah. He spots Vasquez Kelly's. He approaches him with a 20 gauge shotgun, shoots him in the arm. The shell suffers Mark's neck in addition with his right arm. Nevertheless, Vasquez Kelly still has the wherewithal to run about 300 yards as Ferguson is chasing him. And he shoots him in the back of the head and right there in the parking lot of Sacramento State. UIS, whatever you call it, Mark Vasenkelly dies there, right on the spot. Four witnesses see the shooting as it happens. Mm. Police are called right away. This could have been avoided if the police listened to this cry for help. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, even going back with the Tomlin stabbing, and, you know, if there was more now, it's, it's easy for us to play Monday morning quarterback and say, well, if they do this or that, but it's clearly they didn't, it fails they recognized okay, okay uh, Ferguson doesn't have a record, he's a Vietnam veteran but we have these serious cases of stalking assaults mental disorders, mental disorders. and especially the fact if you want to factor in he's, he's a veteran from Vietnam he had to learn some stuff that makes him a reckless and danger to society, so it was very baffling in the process of researching this that to me that authorities didn't wasn't more proactive as you would think they would be. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. And again, I know times have changed. Some people might think that we're too proactive now. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then we thought we weren't. So where's a good in between for both People, mental disorder, and people working together with that. But we'll worry about that later because we're talking about this murder. Indeed. Um, but back to what we were saying. The police were called right away, cordoned off the uh, crime scene. And unbeknownst to them, what may have been uh, shaping up as a manhunt gets squashed right away. Because Ferguson approaches the police officer 45 minutes after the shooting. According to the police report, Ferguson walked right up to the officer and said, I'm the one they're looking for. I'm the one who did it. So clearly, he knows what he did, and he knows the effects of what will happen. Yeah. And the day after the shooting, uh, the SJR published the aforementioned story in which friends of Vasquez Kelly said, said Ferguson, it was an ongoing problem between the two. And one quote that really is, you know, disheart- was disheartening for me to read, it was some acquaintance who said that Vasquez Kelly said, said the person that he never stood understood the animosity and friends obviously had added that Ferguson had threatened Baskin Kelly repeatedly and insulted him. And it's really, um, like I said, it's just very, very sad. It's sad all around. And what's more, you know, confusing, uh, I, as a coworker, uh, where I worked when I used to work at Illinois times, uh, shout out to uh, Scott Van Gogh. Um, <laughs> he, Thanks, Scott. <laughs> he used to work with Tim Ferguson around this time. Uh, they used to work at a pizza place. Uh, my mind is uh, it's it's failing me, but he worked with he worked with him as this was happening. And Scott had described Ferguson as just a typical run of the mill guy, no problems whatsoever. And you know when the he when the murders had happened, he it really it really surprised him. And it's and to a degree, it's kind of correlating with what we talked about with Jutasta McCaster case. Um, again, with you, you were a classmate of her. You never sensed it, you know. 
it's it's when do you decide whether or not it's okay to do something about the way someone acts, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not someone who's all for let's all have guns and shoot people and pew, pew, pew. But if someone's been stalking me for 10 years and verbally abusing me, physically abusing me, showing up everywhere I show up, you bet your ass I'm going to have some type of defense mechanism. You got bear, to. Bear, bear mace, I don't care. A fucking baton. If that means a stun gun, I don't care. If it means I have to carry a gun, get the fuck out of my face because I would not feel safe. Uh, second ancestor. So, after months and months of delays, the Ferguson case finally goes to trial in the fall of 1986. And what's different from this trial from a typical criminal case is that this is a bench trial. So, think of this as Judge Judy or Judge Mathis, only that <laughs> while these particular proceedings are, those particular proceedings are as legitimate as the WWE, this is as tragically as real as real can get. Uh, Ferguson's lawyers had entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, and they contend to the circuit judge, Joseph Cavanaugh, that as a paranoid schizophrenic, he's not in charge of his actions, despite, as we mentioned, he had it out for this guy for over a fucking decade. The he doctor, went up to the cop and said he did it. Yeah. I don't know what you're looking for. He knew what he was doing. Uh, I mean, it's just, again, it's mind-boggling. You have a documented, detailed case, and we can we say this so we get blue in the face, of assault, of stalking, of I'm going to threats, and it escalates to this, and it's choreographic, and despite all of those facts, Judge Kavanaugh finds Ferguson not guilty by reason of insanity on November 20th, 1986, and Ferguson is sent to a local mental facility, and he was expected to send Spend then the rest of his natural life there. Now, right there, you think, wow, goddamn, pal, the story is over, right? <laughs> Not so fast, my friends, because on April 27th of this year, this year, people, Sacramento County Circuit Judge John Mancidona granted a conditional discharge to Ferguson after 32 years in the mental, in mental facilities in Springfield after recommendations from Two local psychiatrists that Ferguson no longer needs inpatient care in a secure facility. Now, at the time of his release, he was staying at the McFarland Mental Health Center here in Springfield. For delivering pizza. They like their pizza. And and again, you know, uh, and we, we keep repeating ourselves, but it, it's it's as true as day. It's just a this was a very sad, sad, you know, experience in researching this and we go back to the interview that Cohen had had with SJR a couple of months ago and after that interview she pens a open letter addressing Ferguson and the possibility of him being released which unfortunately that he did and the following ex excerpt is you know how can we put it fucking chilling so if you want to you know do the honors absolutely so this, this is coming from Cohen herself what she wrote is her mighty of a hearing on April 27, 2018. The decision is up to the judge. The hearing is related to release plan for Tim Ferguson. I was Mark's partner, friend, fiance, significant other, and he was the absolute love of my life. I suffer every single day from Mark's absence. 
I have made a life for myself, but I can't say I've ever been truly happy or at ease or right in, right in this life since. After nearly 33 years without any place that felt like home, I was thinking of moving back to Springfield this year. Then I got the call. This is my word, my truth. I will never feel safe if Tim Ferguson is ever free to walk the streets in any capacity. Ferguson has a lifelong history of violence. I am scared for myself as well as my friends and family of Mark. I am concerned for Springfield, the Springfield community. And uh, there you have it, the very tragic saga of Tim Ferguson and Mark Baskin Kelly's. And, you know, we strive to be impartial, you know, but in a situation like this, in a case like that, it's very hard, you know, to be unbiased because you have just this telegraph, you know, opera, 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 I just really botched that, but what the hell, you know, this <laughs> very telegraph motive, like I'm going to do harm on you. And this has happened for over a decade, Cam, over a decade. Nothing was ever really followed up except for a slapped on wrist when it was a, an attempted murder of another human being and it escalated to murder. And to me, I, again, we have to factor in mental health. And, and this is where the flaws come in, though, with our I'm a full advocate for mental health and getting the help you need. Mm-hmm. I'm also a full advocate that if it's working, as in, let's say, medicine, whatever you're using or doing that's making you feel better, do not take it away from yourself. Right. And back to doing your research, making sure you're diagnosing them correctly. Exactly. It goes back to what our military men and women have to deal with on a daily basis when they're across seas and how they come home to not being able to find the help they need. Could this have been avoided? We don't know. But it could have been slowed down at least a lot or stopped if the cops got involved, if he stayed away in a hospital where he deserved to be, or if somebody did listen to his call. Yeah. And um, there you have it. I mean, that's the final word. Uh, like a little Jerry Springer right there, you know? With yeah, the- dude, I just have all these feelings, like, I'm all for, you know, police and, like, the blue line and everything, but it's not a joke. If somebody's calling you constantly for help, do something about it. I'm all for mental health. Stop. Don't stop taking your medicine if it's fucking working for you. Exactly. And, you know, oh, the thing about... No. You, and the thing oh, about... Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> and the thing about, you know, bullying, and, and it's obviously, you know, uh, with social media and technology it's really you know transpired to cyberbullying and what have you and it's very more you know hard for authorities to decipher you know when these cases happen but this is a case of old school you know in your face bullying in your face stalking and again with everything considered this was something in my view could have been preventative and you know this was just a very, a very, again, very tragic, uh, tragic play, thing to happen. And again, right there, this sets the uh, Tim Ferguson saga. So and we hope nobody else gets injured or killed by Tim Ferguson. Yeah, because he is out right now. So, I mean, well. And, Please be safe, everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, and there goes the second episode. Uh, how about Woo! That? Woo! Sweating now, over here. <laughs> Yeah, and I can see her. See, folks, I can see her. We're doing this on Skype. 
a lot of uh, a lot of technical difficulties that went in the process of doing this, and and you <laughs> you can see her face right now. She is sweating bullets. I don't know if you guys, if you got. Did you guys, if you guys ever saw the Ken Pill skit when it's like this sweating and just like that's that is her face right now. So. It goes back <laughs> and then like I just got my hair cut, so I have no hair. So why yeah. am I sweating? Uh, I just sweat all the fucking time because <laughs> <fuck> the heat. <laughs> so we got a um over the course of the feedback, um we got a couple suggest we got a lot of suggestions about possible show uh, episodes to do down the line and um. You know, I just wanted to say a couple that, that stood out to me. Uh, there was a Michael Knorr. Um, <laughs> That's uh, right, Michael Yeah, White. woo! That's the road, baby. The man can dream, if you will. And uh, he, the reason I do that is he wanted to do a uh, wrestling podcast. And, you know, uh, Mike, I'm all up for that. Uh, like I said, it's all about time constraints. And, you know, as a freelance reporter, I have to do, you know... It's time. Time is never, you know, free for me. But I'll make that time for you, buddy. And um, as Michael said, that he wants us to focus on, and I think that you know he's right on the nail with this. John Wayne Gacy and folks, he doesn't need really any introduction. That guy is like on the Mount Rushmore of American serial killers, much less. Yeah, much less from Illinois. We think about this: thirty-three murders that we know of. Mm-hmm. This guy's crazy, and we also need to talk about my favorite serial killer, the OG H. H. Holmes. We definitely have to talk about him and his escapade. But we do have one more. Don't remember the teacher's name, but it's a surprise. It's another college, Milliken University. We're coming for you next week Is or this. Whenever the fuck we're doing it. Whenever the fuck we're doing it. But, and also, um, another uh, suggestion uh, from a good friend of mine, uh, Calvin Holloman. It's a good Cal. Um, he, well, he went to NIU in uh, yes, 2010. Is this Yes. And you actually have a personal, if you will, personal connection to... I have a personal connection. I know a family member. Not going to say how close we're related. We're really closely related. And that, uh, yeah. You go. You go. Lived a block away from it. Mm. And 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 what we're talking about in that that deal is the case of a freshman who had went missing while going to the park, and her body was found burned after Rapid two. Tape. It it it's very again very sad and just a fucked up saga. But you don't want to eat dinner with that one. No, 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 no. So we have a lot for you guys and in, in the next several weeks and we're going to you know we're going to strive to improve and get better as we can and we're going to give you the best fucking content that we can hell yeah and you guys better be there or be killed bitches indeed and on that note for cammy b this is birdman saying peace be peace well. out girl scouts we'll be back indeed and cut